Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, just one of my trusted sidekicks in week four. It's Matt Price. Ryan is off on assignment this week. Matt, how you doing, bud? I'm doing okay, I guess. We still have football, but it it sure is a lot less fun with all of these studs going down and all this COVID stuff happening all of a sudden, you know. So, uh, you know, it was, it was a fine day. It was it was a football day, which is better than a non-football day, but you know, a little bit a little bit sad in some some regards. To channel my inner Scott Hansen from Red Zone, <laughs> there was a lot of drama leading up to Week Four. There was just way too much of it. We didn't know what games were going to be played, when they'd be played, if they'd be played, and it was just messy. It didn't make for a lot of fun for Dynasty uh, commissioners and fantasy commissioners in general. I know that. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of conversations about how to how to react to all this news. Uh, hopefully this was a test run that we're not going to have to um, like use once again later on down the road. But Matt, it certainly feels like this is the first of many weeks of, of messy, messy NFL schedule making. Oh, absolutely. I was going to mention that stressful week for commissioners. I'm curious what you elected to do in your leagues, Dan. I had a lot of talks with, with a lot of people. I'm like, I'm sure you did. And I ended up just writing it out, you know, like it seemed, you know, that there were these, these leagues and, you know, God bless the commissioners like Ryan who were going to have substitute players available for us and things like that. But I kind of went the other direction and just kind of let it ride and kind of treated it like any other kind of game time decision. You know, we have a game time decision this week with, or we had one with Devonte Adams, right? And, you know, it's a whole game. I, guess, I, know, it's, I know it's multiple players for, for high-powered fantasy teams like Kansas City, uh, but my goal was to kind of just let it ride and let it play. I didn't want to set a precedent because what happens if we have like four or five games like this in a week where you know, then, then you're talking like all kinds of work for a commissioner? And that was just something that uh, seems a little bit too stressful for me. So I kind of just let it go and was treating it like a, a regular week and you it's up to you to make the decision of, of how, uh, you know, weigh the risks of, of waiting on a player that may or may not play in a game. 
Yeah, you mentioned how Ryan was handling it, or is handling it, I guess. He was allowing owners to, ahead of kickoff of, of a player's game, putting them in as backups for some of those Kansas City and New England players. And that, that sounds great. And like you said, t- hat tip to those commissioners. But that would be a lot of work. I, I followed your lead. I did the same thing. I stayed away from that mess because I feel like it's it's going to open a Pandora's box later on in the season when there's uh, not just two Monday night games, but how about two or three Monday night games and a couple of Tuesday night games? When those kinds of things happen, that seems messy. As a manager, uh, just just running my teams, Matt, and I'll get your thoughts on this as well, I hedged a little bit. Uh, if there was a close call between a Kansas City player and somebody playing on Sunday, I played the player on Sunday and, and tried to stay away from it. Um, you know, Obviously, it's a little bit different if you're talking about Patrick Mahomes or if you're talking about Tyreek or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or maybe even a, a couple of the players in the on the New England side. But for the most part, I, I was pulling Rex Burkhead out of lineups. If he was my 10th guy in my starting lineup, I was finding somebody else and leaving Burkhead as the pivot in case Adams doesn't play or in case something else happens uh, to one of the, maybe the Falcons receivers. It's a messy situation, and, and I don't know if there's a right way, but I tried to stay away from making a very, very big dis- bad decision that would leave me without two or three guys potentially in a lineup. Yeah, and I, I kind of figured – we would know something before kickoff and we did we found out we're we're still pretty sure that Casey and New England are going to play play tomorrow night on Monday so uh you know I, I just kind of thought that we would know something based on the way they handled Pittsburgh Tennessee um so there were there were certainly decisions that I made where if it was close in any regard and I had other options I left it in waiver wire uh processes this week I prioritized you know setting up my players that I were going was going to have to make a decision on just to make sure I had even if it's not a not a great second option you know but if it's something like like you said Rex Burkhead or I could pick up Olamide Zachary Zacchaeus uh you know it's, it's, it's probably not a great play but at least you have something to pivot there too if something bad was to happen Either way, we all need to buckle up our seatbelts and get ready for a rough ride here in the coming weeks and and hopefully the coming months because most likely this isn't the last we're going to see of shifting of the schedule for our NFL and fantasy season. Let's get to what we're here to talk about here, Matt, and that's what the games that did happen or have happened to this point in week four. We always talk about it as the biggest thing, the most important thing, that happened in each game. The things we're thinking about this coming week as uh, as we think back uh, at each one of these teams. And we always start with the Thursday night game. That was Denver and New York. The Jets, they, they couldn't get it done once again. They lost 37 to 28 to a to really a third string quarterback. Melvin Gordon was really the story, Matt. He he went 23 carries, 107 yards and two touchdowns, also caught two passes. The other note from the game though, Noah Fant, 5 for 35 but injured his ankle and may miss some time. So dynasty managers will have to have to find a pivot for Noah Fant moving forward. I assume as you watch this game, Matt, you and I were probably one of the 15 or 20 people in the country watching. Uh, it wasn't too bad of a game, but Melvin Gordon was really the thing that comes away. You come away from, right? Yeah. And you know, it, it, these were two, two Oh and three teams, right? So how excited could it be? It was actually ended up being one of the more entertaining games of, of the week. Uh, to be honest with you, and Melvin Gordon certainly helped out 
his fantasy GMs with uh, that 40, 40 yard touchdown run at the end of the game there kind of kind of kind of padded those stats and really help us out there and I kind of want to take the opportunity to see if I can sell now I know like I said last week I think most dynasty GMs at this point are are too smart to be oh it's, it was a blow up game so I should I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go ahead and buy this guy at a at an increased uh, price but you know maybe it's a, it opens that window sometimes the the discount or the the little bonus that we get on top is that just there's, there's a window to buy or sell and I think this might be the case with Melvin Gordon I think he is going to be fine if you're a contender and you need running backs like we all do this especially this season with all of the COVID stuff all of the injuries going on but uh, we have to remember that Philip Lindsay is coming back in week one when Philip Lindsay was healthy he got seven or eight carries I believe and a, and a couple of targets so he's going to come back and, and eat into Melvin Gordon's workload just a little bit I do think there's room for both because they don't have a quarterback so they're probably going to be trying to run the ball a lot um, but you know if you're not necessarily a contender if you're on a bubble or you have some surplus at running back I think it's time to go ahead and, and at least float Melvin Gordon out there for if you can get any kind of like uh, look in the tra- 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 excuse me the dynasty trade finder right now there's several deals in there for a first maybe a first and a third just add a little sugar on top to, to convince the owner to take the uh, to take Gordon from you things like that I think you could probably get done this point or even pivoting to a wide receiver and the same kind of range uh, that seems like a smart move right now Matt you said you were finding some of those trades where Gordon was getting swapped out for that first round pick you probably imagine those are contenders that are given up first uh, what kind of draft pick are if you had to put a draft pick value on Melvin Gordon what's the latest pick you're taking for him if you're not that contender I think any first really like really really sure. any first round pick I would take at this point yeah, and really, to me, I think I'd go beyond that. A package of seconds, seconds with with a one of those maybe late first round uh, rookies from this past class that haven't exactly uh, sprung onto the scene yet. Um, I saw a trade in one of my leagues. It was DeAndre Swift for Melvin Gordon, and I thought that was a that was a nice deal, uh, nice takeaway to get Swift, who hasn't done a whole lot for for Gordon right now. Um, let's move on in this one. We'll go to the Arizona Cardinals and the Carolina Panthers. It was a little bit of an upset as the Panthers came away victorious, 31-21. to It was the Teddy Bridgewater coming out party, I would say. He had his best game uh, in Carolina, 26-37, 276 yards, two touchdowns through the air, and another nice run uh, that, that put him in the end zone. Uh, Mike Davis also played well, 16 for 84 and a touchdown, caught five passes for 27 yards on the other side though Matt it was it was kind of a messy game it wasn't it certainly wasn't impressive it wasn't that offense that we've all kind of come to expect from Arizona that high-flying attack that pushes the ball down the field it was a lot of dink and dunk Kyler Murray only 133 passing yards saved dynasty managers with three uh, passing touchdowns and 78 rushing yards what's your takeaway from this one uh, I want to get out of Kenyon Drake if I can. <laughs> you know, he's especially in. Redraft. We're not getting any first round picks for him. Buddy. I don't think so. <laughs> I did. I did see the trade finders like a couple of seconds for him, things like that. You know, I think packaging maybe him in a third for a for a first or him in a second for a first. Even maybe that's something you you have to do. But like he's just not uh, living up to expectations, especially for redraft leagues where he was going at the tail end of the first round uh, in in a lot of redraft leagues. So uh, it just he's not. He, he isn't getting he isn't getting I don't think he got a single target uh let me pull 
this up real quick. Yeah, he didn't get a single target today, which is kind of uh, Kenyon Drake's calling card, right? And if he's not getting the receptions, he's not getting the targets, and he's not getting all of the carries, and certainly Kyler Murray's taking away from that. And we saw uh, Chase Edmonds uh, out, out play him in the passing game today as well. So I, I just... I, I don't know what to do with them, Dan. I, I feel like I got to sell, but I know, and I know I'm selling low, but I still kind of want to. What do you think about it, Drake right yeah, now? Yeah, I'm selling, and I'm taking what I can get because I'm scared. It's going to be messy. The thing that I saw, and you mentioned it, Chase Edmonds was coming in on third down. He was getting those opportunities in the passing games. Edmonds had five receptions for 24 yards and caught a touchdown. So they see Chase Edmonds, it appears from my eyes, from my viewpoint at least, Matt, that they see him as a pa- better pass catcher and a better better part of their offense uh, when they get in those types of situations. I was leery of Kenyon Drake, and I've been a Kenyon Drake supporter in the past, but he has not impressed so far this season. Just 13 carries for 35 yards, and as you mentioned, not even a target in the game on Sunday. It was It was messy. Yeah, and uh, you know, just a week ago, he was traded for Justin Jefferson. He was traded for DJ Chark, both straight up. So, uh, you know, if you could get those kind of things still, then I would, uh, I would be at least be trying to trying to move him to somebody. Maybe you can. I don't even know who who's he an asset for. He's not an asset for win now teams, but he's also too old, kind of for for rebuilding teams. Maybe you convince somebody that's you know like a fringe team that has tried to try to pack it in for the season that is going to try again for for twenty twenty, and and you can get some kind of uh, package for like a like I said like offering him in a second for a first something like that I just I don't know like who it feels like you're gonna have to just have him on your roster but I'm definitely gonna be trying to shop him yeah I am too usually we give the advice Matt to hold on hold tight wait for that big game from Kenyon Drake and then sell him but I don't know I don't know if we can expect that that's gonna be coming uh coming up for the Cardinals they uh after taking on the Panthers on Sunday they they have the Jets so maybe that's the next opportunity to, for a big game. The Cowboys have been leaking fantasy points to all positions after that. And then the Seahawks, who who they like to get in shootouts, and Drake should be able to catch a few passes. So maybe there's a little bit of greener pastures uh, over the hill when it comes to for for Kenyon Drake coming up. But man, I'm 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 certainly concerned. I wanted to ask you about one guy on the other side of the football too. Matt, with the Panthers, DJ Moore, he's been disappointing for fantasy uh, fantasy owners everywhere. And he kind of came up, came up small again on Sunday, four catches, 49 yards. He's being outplayed by Robbie Anderson. Should this be an opportunity to buy DJ Moore? I I think we you have to try. I mean, I, can we say right now that Robbie Anderson is the the wide receiver one on that team? He's getting out. He's out targeting more nearly every week. You know, Moore had that game a couple of weeks ago where he had uh, 120 yards or so. Uh, but largely, it seems like surprisingly for me, Robbie Anderson is the favorite there. I know he had that relationship with with the coaching staff, but coming into a new team and coming into a new team, especially in a COVID year, like it just it, it seems very unlikely that that was something that was going to happen. But with Teddy Bridgewater as the new guy too, uh, maybe they 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 formed that rapport instead of him and, and DJ Moore. And it seems like DJ Moore is really the perfect for a perfect uh, weapon for for Teddy Bridgewater. You know, somebody that can, can work close to the line of the scrimmage and take advantage of of Teddy Bridgewater's short and med- intermediate act accuracy but it's it's going the other way so yeah I absolutely want to go buy DJ Moore right now I think he's still uh if you can get him for that two first price range I think that's still uh, a heck of a deal and uh, I'm gonna bet on the talent on this one 
Yeah, I'm going to bet on the talent as well. He's shown it in the past. Late last season, he carried dynasty owners uh, to the playoffs and really through the playoffs. And I think that's coming down the road again. I, like you said, I doubt there's a big discount coming your way if you're going to go try to try to grab DJ Moore off the off another roster. But it might have creaked open the door that he's more available now than he would have been a few weeks ago. Jacksonville and Cincinnati. Uh, this was an entertaining football game, actually. The Bengals came out on top 33-25, to 25, and it was the Joe Mixon show. 25 carries, 151 yards, and two touchdowns. Also caught six passes for 30 and another score. Joe Burrow went over 300 in his first win as a professional quarterback. Uh, threw the one touchdown to Joe Mixon, just one pick. This, this team's... Uh, Man, where they're getting their production, Matt, it's all over the place, but there is one place that no production is coming from with the Cincinnati Bengals, and I don't know what to do with this guy. No, man, A.J. Green, uh, five targets, you know, okay, not great, uh, certainly not the 13 or so he got a couple of weeks ago, but, you know, a similar efficiency, one catch for three yards, and it, it really feels like this offense is Mixon, Tyler Board, and T. Higgins at this point. Those are the only uh, only three non-quarterbacks that I think we care about for this season and maybe for, for next season as well. You know, we – uh, you, you and me, I think probably more so than Ryan, were advocating maybe even buying AJ Green. He was he was finally healthy this off season, and we had that that hiccup in the in the in the preseason or the or I guess off season. There was no preseason this year, uh, but you know once once he was on the field in Week One, he was healthy and he's he was getting all these targets. He was still dominating that target share, but the production didn't come, and I don't know wh- why that's going to change. And if he's not going to get the production, he's not even going to get the targets over guys like Boyd and Higgins. Then what do we really? have here like can you can you get anything for him this point with Dan are you willing to like get out for a third on a guy like AJ Green I just I, I don't know I think he might be somebody you that just rots on your bench yeah he's got to rot he's got to just sit there and I'm not selling him for just a third I'm hoping that it comes around and that that he has a resurgence later on in the season maybe creates another selling window or uh maybe he could be the guy that puts another trade over the top something you can add when you're going to use one of your running backs to to get an upgrade at wide receiver and they want to replace that guy on their roster with a with a potentially useful part down the road maybe maybe you can throw AJ Green's name as the the guy that sweetens the deal and because of name value alone he might add just enough to get another deal done uh I mentioned that it you know, there was a lot of production. Tyler Boyd, seven for 90. T. Higgins came through again, four for 77. Gosh, that A.J. Green, he he's certainly not startable moving forward. That's for sure. The Browns played the Dallas Cowboys in probably the best game of, of the week, of week four for Dynasty owners. Browns came out on top. 49 to 38. OBJ came through with five catches for 81 yards and two scores and also had that big rushing touchdown to add on. One of the best highest scorers of the week. The news for me out of this one, Matt, and probably for a lot of dynasty managers out there, Nick Chubb, knee injury might be serious. We don't know. Again, we we record on Sunday night right after the three o'clock games. So uh, before Sunday night football, it doesn't doesn't necessarily look great for Nick Chubb. Six for 43 before the injury. Uh, they have an elite backup. And what this is going to do for Kareem Hunt is throw him into the conversation for a top five running back as long as Chubb is out. Yeah, he's a top five play every single week. We did see that 
uh, Ernest Johnson. That's is that how we say it? Ernest Johnson yep. got some love, you know, down the stretch as Cleveland was kind of running away with this, and then Dallas mounted that comeback. Um, but he got 13 carries or 95 yards of his own. So if Stefanski is going to keep this as a two-back system, obviously I think Hunt is going to get the lion's share of the of the workload. But if he is if it is going to stay a two-back system, then he's somebody who's got to be a priority on waivers this week. Uh, and OBJ, man, I just is this has this just been hiding the whole time, and they just have not wanted to break him out this way because of the way the games have gone for them. Their game script is to run the ball with two backs and keep the scores relatively low and minimize what Baker Mayfield can do, uh, uh, you know, damaging them with turnovers and things. But it just goes to show you when OBJ needs to be OBJ of old, he he can be. It's just if they're going to ask him to do that. You know, I I think they've tried for OBG, OBJ to be this guy in their offense. They've They've just peppered him with targets. And he hasn't come through to this point. And it, maybe it's something about Dallas going yeah. down there. You know, those big games that he had with the Giants, he was motivated. But he looked like the guy of old, the guy that dominated and, and took dynasty owners to championship games a few years ago when he was with the Giants. It's it's weird how when he turns it on, he's uh, he's a different different cat out there and a really, really good wide receiver makes really big plays. Speaking of good wide receivers, Matt, there's a pretty good one on the other side in this matchup. Yeah, Amari Cooper, you know, just dominating targets again, 16 targets today, uh, a 27.5% target share on the day and 25.7% on the season. There was a lot of talk of, you know, it's there's three wide receivers there now with Gallup and Lamb, and Lamb certainly had a, had a fantastic day of his own. Gallup, a little bit of a down game after a explosion last week, uh, but it's still Cooper. It's still Cooper that is the apple of Dak's eye. You know, it'll, there's lots of talk that maybe they're going to try to move on from him uh, with this big contract that they gave him now that they do have have cd lamb there but it's clear that this is still Dak's favorite guy to me so uh you know keep obviously keep starting amari and and maybe even consider buying high at this point if he's going to be that that 16 double digit target guy every single week you know he he gets hot and cold a little bit matt when we're talking about amari cooper feels like in the past he's gotten hot like this and gone off and really had those big games and then he disappears at times I hope this time it just progresses throughout the season we're at the that high point that plateau for the entirety of the season and I think more than anything that he just doesn't get nicked up because when Amari Cooper gets banged up a little bit it seems to affect his play and certainly affects his his fantasy output you you mentioned Gallup and his uh, maybe maybe low-end performance in week four after the big performance in week three. He's been real hot and cold this year. It seems like that's going to be the way things go with Gallup. Are you running him out there in your lineups every week, even though he's so hot and cold? I, I, I think I am, as, as, at least as a wide receiver three or flex option. You know, again, it's just other than Cooper, it seems like this is going to be a, a kind of a round robin in terms of where the targets go. You're not necessarily going to know which one is going to have the big game, except for Cooper. I think he's going to be steady the whole year again. Four, 16 targets today, 14, 9, and 12 in the past three weeks. Dalton Schultz, you know, when there's a high-scoring game, like it seems like is every single week with Dallas right with how bad this defense is uh, and, and the yardage they're allowing the, their opponents to put up. So, yeah, I think Gallup is still certainly in play every week is even if it's just uh you know it's i think it's maybe a, a little bit better than a dart throw but i'm certainly running out him out there ahead of uh, some other guys in his range at this point yeah he, he's just a scary guy to click the checkbox next to right now because he has the potential 
to put up one of them two for 29 games like he did in week four. Ezekiel Elliott had eight catches for 71 yards as well to go along with the 54 on the ground. So he he came through, although he didn't find the end zone for dynasty owners. Uh, let's talk about our f- friends over at Monkey Knife Fight. They are the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site on the planet. Monkey Knife Fight is giving you free money and free dynasty football content with your initial deposit. Open a new account with a minimum of $10 deposit to Monkey Knife Fight, and you're going to receive a free DynastyLeagueFootball.com annual premium membership. This offer is also good to extend your current DLF premium membership by an entire year. So if you're already a member, go ahead Head over to Monkey Knife Fight, and for 10 bucks, you can add another year to your m- membership. Monkey Knife Fight also matches that initial deposit. So if you put $10 in, you get the free membership, plus uh, they're going to match that up to $50 into your account to use in all their football and baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, esports, prop bets, all that those kind of games that they have over at Monkey Knife Fight. Monkey Knife Fight isn't one of those standard uh, set-your-lineup kind of DFS experiences. Instead, there is no salary cap. You correctly predict an outcome, you're guaranteed to win. And there are no sharks, no professionals to bring prevent you from claiming your prize. You're not competing against any of those over at Monkey Knife Fight. You're not going to get algorithmed by the top 1% who dominate those other sites. Check out the new and improved DFS and prop bet experience and claim your deposit match and free DLF premium membership at monkeyknifefight.com. The Lions took on the Saints in... Uh, in an up and down game, the Lions jumped out to an early lead, but quickly gave it up. Ended up losing 35 to 29. Breeze was good. Kamara, 129 total yards and a touchdown. He was good as well. Kind of what we expected out of this Lions Saints game. There was a lot of yards, lots of fantasy points. What caught your eye, Matt? Their refusal to give give more work to DeAndre Swift. <laughs> like he's the most efficient runner they have. He's clearly the best pass catching option they have. So why isn't he getting more work? Because they want to pound Andrew and Peterson, you know, ten plus times a game, I guess. And he did get in the end zone there in a garbage time touchdown after Detroit had had given up their lead. Uh, but you know, Swift was a, was was in there early when the actually helped them build that lead, four for thirty and a touchdown in the receiving game, caught all four of his targets, uh, tied for second most targets in the game to to, to Kenny Galladay. So can we just move on from Adrian Peterson and Kenny uh, and uh, carry on Johnson, please. And let's buy DeAndre Swift in hopes that that's actually going to happen. I do think that it's clear at this point that he is the most talented all around back on the roster. So uh, the workload is scary for this year, but even on contenders, I think I'm willing to place a bet on him. So if you can get him for around the same price as, as you, was paid for him in the rookie drafts. Like if you have like a, if you're kind of a fringe uh, playoff team and you have one of those mid 2021 first round picks and can kind of move on from that to, to pick up a guy like DeAndre Swift, I think it's uh, it, I think it's worth doing at this point. Uh, looking at the, the, the trade finder, he's has gone for reasonable prices. Uh, uh, Terry McLaurin, I probably would much prefer McLaurin, but if I need a running back in this world, I think that's an okay deal for him. Uh, uh, DeAndre get, getting out of Aaron Jones for DeAndre Swift, and a first and a second in 2021 seems good if you're a, if you're a rebuilding team for sure. Uh, Deontay Johnson straight up for him. So there are ways to get into DeAndre Swift right now, and I, I guess I guess again it's scary for the rest of this season. But I think after this season, I think it's going to be all DeAndre Swift. He's clearly the best back they have, uh, certainly over Adrian Peterson, of course, and I think over Carry On at this point as well. 
Yeah, I see the same things. There there are times when you see the burst of DeAndre Swift coming in right after Adrian Peterson plunges forward for a one-yard first down and comes trotting off the field. And then Swift comes on for a six-yard run up the middle that you know Peterson would have plunged forward for two or three on. And uh, it's frustrating, of course. I only have Swift in one or two leagues, but I'm totally on board. I'd absolutely buy as well. It might be one of those situations that... Unfortunately, we might need a coaching staff change or some kind of philosophy change in Detroit to create that opportunity for Swift because it's mind-boggling why he's not getting the opportunities that Adrian Peterson is. There there are times when Adrian Peterson should be on the field, Matt. Yeah. That touchdown run that you alluded to, not a lot of NFL running backs score on that play. He ran through a few tacklers and, and scored. But that just makes you the short yardage guy, not the not the full-time ball carrier. And, and Swift, four carries to the 11 for Adrian Peterson. Peterson averaged 3.3 yards per carry. Swift, 5.5. So I'm buying Swift as well if I can get my hands on another copy or two. How about Seattle and Miami? The Seahawks outlasted the Dolphins, 31-23. to Chris Carson played well and uh, practiced in a limited fashion throughout the week, but came through for Dynasty owners, 100 total yards and two touchdowns. It was the another passing game performance that you want to talk about here, though, Matt. Yeah, Dan, I, this is this might be a hot take, uh, but I... No, my, I don't think it is. You're in the ballpark, for sure. La, last week, after his game last week, despite the, you know, the gaffe of him pulling up early before the end zone and, and getting that ball stripped away, uh, but still coming through with a great game, I moved him up to wide receiver one overall in Dynasty last season, uh, or excuse, last season, last uh, last week, uh, and I think he's still there. Again, another 100-yard game. Uh, I just think he's the perfect intersection of all of these guys. We know how kind of a mess the top tier of wide receivers is, whether they're too old or whether they're not necessarily in a good situation. I feel like DK Metcalf has the best combination of age production and, and situation really with Russell Wilson. They're now getting to throw the ball more, although a little bit less today than in the, uh, than in the last couple of weeks. Uh, but still, I, I just think he has the perfect inter- intersection of all of those things. And I don't see, I don't see why he isn't the wide receiver one overall right now. I, I, I just really don't. I think he's certainly in the conversation and, and watching him you know he did 106 yards he did that on four catches yeah and he almost got into the end zone you know if if he gets into the end zone we're talking about another blow-up game by DK Metcalf and how he's carrying dynasty owners there is one other young receiver that we should remember though and his name's Ridley so let's let's (laughs) let's make a little room for him up top as well uh in 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 other news in this game, Devontae Parker came through once again. Ten catches for 110 yards. He's not in that same conversation, but he's certainly coming through for all of us that are sticking him in our lineups week in and week out. The Minnesota Vikings. Go ahead, Matt. Sorry. I was just going to say, I just saw, uh, I was just looking at rankings, and it looks like Ryan McDowell uh, has moved DK up to number one overall now as well. So maybe maybe it's not so crazy. It's not so crazy at all. He's he's certainly in the conversation. Uh, the Vikings and the Texans. Vikings 31, Texans 23. Delvin Cook put on a show. 27 carries for 130 yards and two touchdowns. Just two catches for 16 yards, though. Uh, the pair of receivers in Minnesota, they were also good. Adam Thielen, 8 for 114 and a score. Justin Jefferson came through for the second straight week. Four catches for 103 yards. It's the running back, Matt, that we want to talk about here, though. Yeah, Dalvin Cook, uh, obviously another fantastic game for for fantasy managers. Uh, but 
the concerning thing for me is his passing game usage. And maybe it doesn't matter if he's going to keep putting up 100-yard, multiple touchdown games on the ground. Uh, then, then maybe it doesn't matter. But uh, this season, he has, he's had 11 targets in four games, an average of about two and three quarters per game, only seven receptions in four games, just under two per game. In 2019, he was getting almost double that, four and a half targets a game and almost four receptions a game. So that's a little bit concerning just, ba- just for his floor and a little bit for his upside. But, you know, two weeks in a row now, over 100 yards, big games, multiple touchdowns on the ground. So I don't want to. I don't think we're in. Obviously not in Derrick Henry territory in terms of passing game usage, but just the drop there uh, by by double almost so far in 2020 because compared to 2019 is a little bit concerning for me. And Madison, I think, is of course getting worked in a little bit. He got another touchdown today, which you know right now isn't affecting Dalvin Cook, but maybe in the future it could. So if if you can sell off of these last two big games uh maybe pivot to somebody else maybe a receiver in that range hey maybe dk metcalf for example uh then uh you know i think that's something worth investigating at least yeah it's worth looking at for sure i I watch a lot of vikings football and i've been critical of kirk cousins in the past he seemed like captain Checkdown, uh the guy that doesn't like to push the ball down the field and it seems maybe it's jefferson maybe it's a change in personal philosophy or in that offense now that stefanski has moved on they are taking a little a few more shots in every game I, i i'm not I can't quite put my finger on it. They're still not attempting a whole lot of passes. Cousins only threw 22 passes on Sunday. But when he's getting his opportunities, he's being a little bit more aggressive. And that might be taking away those opportunities for Cook in the passing game. How about the Los Angeles Chargers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Uh, the Buccaneers came out on top by a touchdown, 38-31. to 31. Story of the game really is Austin Eckler. Carted off, hamstring injury, did not look like he was feeling real good as he left the game just 14 total yards before the injury. Injury happened early. It's really a shame because the last couple weeks, Matt, Austin Eckler has come through for us all. He's he's doing it in the passing game and in the running game. And now we're it's just another running back. Put the check mark next to his name, another running back that goes down and we're looking for answers. Yeah, and you know, you thought maybe Josh Kelly was the answer, and he probably still is, uh, but the Tampa Bay brush defense is, is, is very good, maybe the best in the league, but he came up small today, nine carries on uh, nine carries for seven yards with a long of three and uh, you know caught all three of his targets for 26 yards. So uh, he's probably still the answer there, but I want to go ahead and if, you, if he's not already on your roster, I've seen him on a lot of waiver wires after kind of Kelly kind of took off, but Justin Jackson is still out there. He could come in and play a similar role to Austin Eckler, similar style of player, a good receiver out of the backfield. The question with him has always been health. Uh, so he's He's, he's definitely a priority add this week. And then I think we have to talk about Justin Herbert, you know, going basically drive for drive with Tom Brady till the end there, had that interception at the end that kind of ended the game for for them. Uh, but for, for a while, it was back and forth, very impressive, 20 to 25, like you said, 293 touchdowns. Uh, but uh, it, it's, it's really his ability to find the guys that we didn't think. Like how many guesses, Dan, would I have to give you before you got to uh, the three touchdowns being, being Jalen Guyton, Tyron Johnson, and Donald Parham Jr. Yeah, he, if I he's... wouldn't watch the game, I, I, you'd never get him, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, like they, he's fine. He, he's he's has the ability to spread the ball around. This offense is exciting with him. I feel so bad for Tyrod Taylor and the way that he lost to lost this job, but. Man, I, I I don't know how they could go back to him at this point. Anthony Lynn, I wouldn't put it past him just because he's a loyal kind of coach and and really likes Tyrod Taylor back for, all the way back from their days in Buffalo together. But I don't know how you go back to back to him after Herbert has shown what he has so far. 
Yeah, they're they're not going back to him. It's the rookie show. He's he's looked so good. Uh, on the other side of the football, Matt, Mike Evans came through seven catches for 122 yards and a touchdown. Ronald Jones is also good. 20 carries for 111, also caught six passes for just 17 yards, but certainly had the fantasy production for all of us. And then Tom Brady, five different receivers caught all five of his touchdowns that he just, he threw the ball all over the place. Could not still can't get it to Gronk though. Uh, that, that I think that show's over. We're, we're done with Gronk. <laughs> as far as the running game goes though, Matt, Ronald Jones, another big game. He's done this a couple times now this year. Of course, Fournette was out. Do you have any trust in this guy? He certainly looked good on Sunday. I don't think so. I mean, if I have them and I, I, I don't know, I don't know if you're going to be able to sell them for anything. Maybe there's still some believers out there and he certainly could have made some today, but just from some, some comments from Arians last week, you know, about Kishon Vaughn saying that, uh, you know, just, just wait, your time is coming. Those kind of things that kind of makes me honestly want to go out and try to acquire some Kishon Vaughn. Cause I don't have any, I didn't draft any. Um, and he caught a touchdown pass today. So if he's coming on board now, even if Lord Leonard Fournette is out, uh, then maybe he is a worthwhile addition uh, to, to your dynasty team right now. I think if I could trade Ronald Jones straight up for Keyshawn Vaughn, that's something I would be willing to do. Uh, so I, I want to go the other way, despite the nice performance from Jones today. Yeah, Vaughn did look good in his limited opportunities uh, and caught the touchdown. Of course, the other running back from, from that didn't play in this game, but from these rosters with the Eckler injury, uh, those of you that that watched Hard Knocks in the offseason, you thought you saw that bowling ball running back, Darius Bradwell. He's still hanging around on the practice squad. So expect his name to be called up. You never know. He could get some opportunities for deep leagues. And I, uh, somebody to monitor maybe down the road. Uh, hey, if you've been looking for a new challenge, it's time to start playing over at DynastyOwner.com. Dynasty Owner Fantasy Football unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office and is the only way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries. That's right. By adding the strategy of running an NFL franchise, Dynasty Owner provides a unique challenge for diehard fantasy football fanatics. Go to DynastyOwner.com slash DLF for more information on this unique, thrilling fantasy football experience. If you're looking for a new challenge, Dynasty Owner can give you just that. They favor skilled players who can manage their roster using those NFL salaries within that salary cap. It adds an entirely new level of strategy. Go to DynastyOwner.com slash DLF. Validate your fantasy football skills. That's DynastyOwner.com slash DLF. Dynasty Owner, start your dynasty today. Baltimore Ravens and the, and the Washington football team. The Ravens ran away with this one. Really wasn't a game. Ravens 31, Washington 17. Mark Andrews came through just three catches for 57 yards, but scored two touchdowns. Man, for me... Matt, it was Antonio Gibson. And really, it was the Washington offense. It feels to me like Washington decided we have two playmakers or potential playmakers on our roster. It's Antonio Gibson, 13 carries, 46 yards and a touchdown. Also caught four passes for 82 more yards. And it's Terry McLaurin, 10 for 118. That they finally got their playmakers the ball, and well, the quarterback is still a question mark for sure in Washington. It was nice to see Gibson and McLaurin peppered with opportunities. 
Yeah, we talked about this last week that Gibson's role looked like it was developing, and now we've got double-digit carries on the week, and uh, it showed his skills in the receiving game on that long, long catch and run he had. So uh, very exciting, McLaurin. We we obviously know he's very good, probably still undervalued. It's just the quarterback is the question, and maybe it continues to be uh, in, in super flex leagues. You know, maybe it's not as 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 evident this week with Haskins not. Uh, you know, not not disappointing this week. You know, still maybe not the quarterback we wanted him to be. But uh, in superflex leagues, I think it's worthwhile to pick up Kyle Allen right now. Um, uh, but you know, that's that's not a very exciting option either. But it seems like that could be a switch. He he knew how to get to the playmakers last season in Carolina with Rivera, and uh, so so he said worthwhile pickup. But let's talk about somebody else. Let's talk about somebody exciting in this game, Dan. Yeah, you mentioned buying DeAndre Swift earlier in the program, Matt. What about buying J.K. Dobbins? Because it seems like there's a a little bit more of an opportunity with every week that passes. He's not getting a lot of opportunities. Five carries, 16 yards on Sunday, also caught a pass for one yard. Uh, He's hit in the backfield a lot. It seems like when they when they put him on the on the football field, Matt, I, my eyes perk up. I'm ready to see him blast through a running hole, and he gets rocked in the backfield, breaks the tackle, gets back to the line of scrimmage, and it's just kind of a whole hum Sunday for J.K. Dobbins since week one when he scored those two rushing touchdowns and had all of us on the edge of our seats. It's been a little bit of a disappointing appointment. He's he's still sharing this backfield with two other capable running backs. This is the long play. There, there's a window to buy J.K. Dobbins, particularly if he's on a roster where they have a big need to be a contender this year. There's some offers to be made. Yeah, and I bought him last week on a contender, Dan. I, I, I know the, the lack of, of workload right now is very concerning, but I saw this as an opportunity to get somebody who, you know, I think he's, by the end of the season, he's going to have an increased workload. I don't think they're going to do the same thing to him as they did to Justice Hill, just a very different player, you know, Mark Ingram, another year older. And I think we've seen the, him be successful in the passing game as well. Not necessarily today, but in the past, he's had five, five catches or so uh, last week, I believe. So uh, this is the opportunity, and I know I overpaid – so I'm ready for for some some shade to come my way, Dan. But I gave up Travis Kelsey and a 2022 second and third for him with John Ooh. Smith with John Smith behind. So I know I paid a premium, but I feel like that's what you got to pay for these guys. We know that next year has some you know pretty good running backs in the class, but after that, 2022 looks like it's going to be a little bit down. So I think if you want to get one of these young stud running backs, the ones that aren't quite at that top tier yet, I think now is really the time to do it. Whether it's Dobbins, whether it's Acres, whether it's uh, DeAndre Swift like we talked about earlier and maybe even if you have to overpay a little bit to do so I think now is the time to pounce on those guys because have you tried have you tried buying Jonathan Taylor or Clyde Edwards Hilaire lately like it's just not something you can do so these guys are 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 the option I think right now so even if you have to overpay a little bit maybe go ahead and give it a shot yeah I, I like the move Matt because you mentioned the other two rookie running backs who are so expensive that offer that Kelsey plus the draft picks offer is going to be an instant decline for those other two rookie running backs and and we had these all guys we had all these guys in a pod just a a month or six weeks ago they they were all closely matched you go back to the draft and JK Dobbins was was probably in the in the on a short list of guys for the number one overall pick in rookie drafts. Then he ends up in Baltimore buried on the depth chart. And these other running backs end up in, in maybe nicer uh, locations and, and earlier opportunities for them have created this buying window now for JK Dobbins. I love the move. I'm aggressive as well. I'm, I'm that kind of player. What's interesting for me, Matt, with what you just said though, 
is that you did it on a contender. So so you lost Kelsey. You took him out of your starting lineup. You mentioned that you have a nice fill-in at tight end, but you're you're playing the long game along with playing for right now. Yeah, and I'm taking a little bit of a bet on him emerging at some point. You know, I, I don't wish an injury on Mark Ingram. I love Mark Ingram as a player, and I think he's going to continue to be involved. And Gus Edwards, he looks – Gus Edwards looks fantastic. If he was on another team, I think he could be he could start somewhere as well. But I think Dobbins is still the most valuable of those. I think, I think when you watch him on the field, especially compared to Mark Ingram, you see a little bit more juice than you do there with Ingram, absolutely. Uh, and then his ability in the passing game is, 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 I think, second to none on that team right now in terms of from the backfield. So – so uh, I'm, I'm placing a bet both for the future and for, you know, later this season, once we get closer to the playoff time that he's going to emerge from this situation. You mentioned Gus Edwards, Matt. I, I'm so annoyed that I like him because <laughs> he's, he's the one that's holding us back from J.K. Dobbins seeing 10 or 12 touches every game. But you watch Gus Edwards run nine carries for 38 yards on Sunday, and he's an NFL running back. He's a good good running back between the tackles. I just would rather see J.K. Dobbins get those opportunities. Absolutely. But, you know, we'll, we'll pick up Edwards, too, because maybe he's, maybe he's the guy if Angren goes down. You never know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's room. Uh, apparently in that offense, there's room for all of them. It, I just <laughs> wish JK had a little bit bigger slice of the pie. Uh, the Giants and the Rams. Man, this this was an ugly game, Matt. Uh, Rams 17, Giants 9. Nothing to get excited uh, about as a fantasy manager. The Giants, 295 total yards. The Rams, just 240. Daryl Henderson was a disappointment after his breakout. Eight carries for 22 yards. Just one catch on top of it. I guess Cooper Cup saved the day with the big touchdown catch late in the game. Five for 69-1. and one. We try to come up with something to talk about in all of these games, Matt. And there's not a lot to talk about here, unless you want to talk about Daryl Henderson being such a disappointment, Malcolm Brown uh, really carving it out the the workload there in Los Angeles. Yeah, that was the, that was where I was going to go. Was you know we finally thought Henderson was 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 the guy after after Brown went down and then Acres went down and then we and Henderson had two great games in a row, but now it's just back to the back to more of the same, right? Of him splitting carries, uh, eight carries for him, nine for Malcolm Brown, and Brown was more efficient today. Uh, Henderson even had quite a bit less work in the passing game, which is kind of again his bread and butter. Just one catch and one target to Malcolm Brown's five catches on on six targets. So. So uh, it leaves us again in a question mark of what do we do with this guy? And honestly, I don't know. I feel like I feel like if, if Akers is back next week, then we absolutely can't start him anymore. And if and even if he's not, then it's still going to be a, a hard decision to click that box. Yeah, n- none of them are tr- trustworthy. We can't trust any of them to to click the box. Uh, it's disappointing because playing against that crummy Giants defense. The Rams should have been an explosion of fantasy points, and it just just didn't come to fruition on Sunday. The only the only other thing we could talk about is is Daniel Jones. I know the Rams has a, have a good defense. Aaron Donald is a, is a monster, but I don't. It doesn't feel like it's coming together for Jones. You know, for for a little while I thought maybe he was, and it's still early. It still may happen, but a little while I thought he was maybe on the same path as a guy like Josh Allen, who's all of a sudden come around. 
uh, and become mm-hmm. a, more of a passer this year. But he he doesn't look comfortable out there. If that first read isn't there, it just feels like uh, he doesn't really necessarily know what to do with the ball. The the turnover concerns from last season are still there to an extent. He doesn't have an alpha kind of receiver to a kind of a security blanket. Slayton is you know ha- has his gains, but it doesn't really seem like he's that type of player. Evan Ingram continues to disappoint where there is unlimited opportunity for him. And and Golden Tate's old and Sterling Shepard's hurt, so he's not really getting a whole lot of help. Barkley's obviously not there, so uh, without these easy reads for him, it's it's not working out for Daniel Jones right now. Yeah, it was it, it was rough for sure. I, I wish I remembered who called the game, uh, who the who the play by play and the the color guy were because they were pointing it out regularly. The red stripe watching that football game, how he would lock onto one receiver and you'd never see yep. the red stripe move on to another another receiver. Talking about that that stripe down the Giants and and Daniel Jones's helmet, it was a good point because he wasn't he wasn't making alternative reads. He was locked onto receivers through a bad interception at the end of the game with the. Team only down one score and and those kind of mistakes will will get you to the bench at some point so I, I was high on Jones coming into the season I thought a lot of the things that you thought Matt and while he is still adding with his legs a lot like what Josh Allen did early in his his career there there just aren't enough signs of of positive progression for Daniel Jones to to get excited about him even in super flex leagues Speaking of Josh Allen, he led the Bills to a 30-23 victory over the Raiders. Uh, Stephon Diggs, six catches, 115 yards, and uh, really looked good. What are your thoughts on Stephon Diggs, Matt? I feel like he's underrated. We don't have uh, our October data, ADP data quite Matt, yet. But... Matt, hold on. We got a, we got a flashback <laughs> to the offseason because I think it was uh, you that was saying, I, I'm not sure about Diggs I going was. to Buffalo. It doesn't seem good. You're I, You're on board. I was not an Allen believer at all, and he's maybe the player I was most wrong about uh, with his development and, and and him coming and Diggs coming over to a new team and already having Brown uh, John Brown there who already has an established relationship with Josh Allen. I just was a little bit worried about it at that price tag at that time. But now, uh, again, we don't have October just quite quite yet. But from September ADP, he's wide receiver twenty seven behind guys much older than him like Robert Woods, like Adam Thielen. I would rather have Stephon Diggs than these guys. You know, I, I think. Think we could at least get him up to wide receiver receiver 20 you know around guys like cooper cup and Cortland sutton and, and, and keenan allen in that range uh it's it's tough to get him too much higher than that because we have so many good wide receivers now but i do think right now uh, if he is still being valued at those in those late 20s you know as a wide as a, as a high-end wide receiver three i'm guessing not but i think we should probably take some stabs on him because it seems like he's already formed that rapport with with josh allen he's just 26 years old entering those prime production years at wide receiver so uh, we could see two to three years of elite production between these two coming coming in the next few years Really, the nicest thing about Stefan Diggs is earlier in his career and really throughout his time in Minnesota is he was up and he was down. He needed the big player, the touchdown to really come through for you as a dynasty manager since arriving in Buffalo, though. Uh, six, four, eight, eight, and eight catches. Twenty catches on the season, spread out nicely. Also has the two touchdowns. So in the, in the games that he's not coming up with with all the big stats and stuff, he's scoring the touchdowns. He's been a top twenty four receiver all four weeks for for the Buffalo Bills, and he's a guy that's going to be locked into your lineup going forward every single week. Totally undervalued, uh, and and should be should be thought about it 
I like where you had him. Uh, it, it's kind of silly to me that people would have Cortland Sutton with the injury over Stephon Diggs, who is having a, a big start to his season. The last game we got to talk about here, Matt, is the Indianapolis Colts beating the Bears 19-11. to uh, Boy, I watched a lot of this game, and it was kind of a slugfest. Lots of ground and pound. Uh, that that Indianapolis defense, they are good, so we need to be aware of starting guys against Indianapolis, that's for sure. Uh, other than that, what's your takeaway here? I, I mean, I, I, I still like Jonathan Taylor. I think he's still the guy there, but maybe not quite the bell cow that we thought he was going to be. You know, we kind of assume once Marlon went, Mack went down, this is going to be all Jonathan Taylor. Uh, uh, and he was kind of last week but the, the, against the Jets, but the production was kind of disappointing in a game that they should have been running away with. And we have another game where the, the Colts basically led the entire game, uh, but you know, he had 17 touches, but Neem Hines had nine. Well, uh, J- uh, Jordan Wilkins also had nine carries. Uh, he's not doing it in the passing game right now either with only one catch on one target. Uh, Naheem Hines, again, three catches on three targets. Jordan Wilkins had only one catch as well, but was more productive on that touch than Taylor. So uh, I still love Taylor, but you would think in a game like this where the Colts are leading the entire time and their MO is to limit what Phillip Rivers is going to do in the passing game and lean on that running game and play good defense. Like you mentioned there, Dan, that, that Taylor would have had a 25 to 30 touch uh, a game on the ground here and just kind of salted away this game. And that didn't happen. And to me, that's just a little bit concerning. Yeah, it's concerning. You know, I mentioned earlier with Gus Edwards that that I'm annoyed with him and I'm annoyed with myself that I like him. <laughs> Transferring that over to the Colts, super annoyed with Jordan Wilkins. What's going on there? Because I don't like that guy. Nine carries for 15 yards for Jordan Wilkins. And on top of that, those guys getting those opportunities in the passing game, Wilkins was targeted a couple times on plays where I thought, why isn't that Jonathan Taylor on the field? Wilkins caught one and made a few moves. He caught another one, I believe, that was taken back from injury. Fell down on the play with nobody around. And I'm thinking to myself, Jonathan Taylor might turn that into a big play. So it, I think it's more about the coaching staff, not not so much about Taylor. He has the ability to be a Saquon Barkley type of running back. I don't know if he's going to get that opportunity in that offense because they want they want clear roles for these running backs. We're just going to have to obviously keep him in our lineups because he's going to get those 17 carries and he's going to have opportunities at the goal line. But it's, it's going to be a struggle sometimes. We're going to get a little bit annoyed, and that's what happened on Sunday with him against the Bears. You know, perhaps they're they're saving him for the, for for the stretch run. You know, the, the teams do do that sometimes. He's a rookie; you wouldn't necessarily think that's something they did, but would do. But Taylor did have a you know a gigantic workload every season in college, so maybe that's part of it. Maybe once we get closer down, he'll 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 get those twenty plus touch games like we want. I like that. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna subscribe to that theory, Matt. Well done. <laughs> uh, Foles to a Rob. They came through in garbage time. Robinson ended up with seven for 101 and a really nice touchdown at the end of the game. Uh, a Rob is a guy we can count on as well. We did it without our fearless leader, Ryan McDowell. Matt, we uh, we came through. We got through all the games. Anything to say to Ryan? Because I know he's going to be listening. We miss you, Ryan. Yeah. Oh, so nice. Usually you, you you end on a zinger for McDowell, but not this time. Uh, he'll, <laughs> he'll like that for sure. Uh, it was a good week. I'm glad we got some football. 
we got a few more games this week yet. Uh, Monday Night Football should be good with the two games. Hope everybody enjoys the rest of week four, go into week five, and hopefully we can just all stay healthy. Not, not just football players with all the injuries, but all of us as well. For Matt, I'm Dan. F- thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again in week five.